Yeah. <laughs> Yo, how you doing, everybody? Thank you so much for everyone turning up. I'm sure it's support for this partnership between Vision and Shoot and Eliza, which is a long time coming right now. So, um, yeah, thank you for showing support and most importantly, um, thank you to Jack and Noisa turning up right now and celebrating three years of Eliza with us. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 so, just now, George was up until 7 a.m. painting in this space to get this right. So, uh, round of applause for uh, <laughs> Myself. My name is Ali Muhammad Ali, I'm head of the Chief Aboriginal Shift. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to break it down for these men. Um, I'm going to be a host for this evening, for this discussion. We're going to break down Eliza, of course, for years. Um, the societal changes that bred the brand and the latest partnership, which includes a collaborative, collaborative magazine, our first ever independently printed publication called Why Three Years of Eliza. So after this talk, get through the magazine if you haven't already. Um, a lot of time, a lot of effort, um, teamwork for real. Um, yeah, and I'll just pass it over to the guys to introduce themselves and what I'm looking for. My name's Jack, and Hi. I <laughs> <laughs> founded Eliza in 2020, design. I, to be honest, don't, me and Noza just share all the responsibilities, like we're still small, so. Not the line, I just do what we need to do to get the job done. Yeah, uh, no, sir. Also, yeah, my name is Eliza Jack, and um, yeah, it's been a great journey. Literally doing business, music, all that kind of stuff, so yeah, that's me. <laughs> Hi, guys, I'm George. I'm creative, one of the creative directors at Shift with the, one of the best teams in the world that are coming together for. Nice little small bite-sized moment, but it's a beautiful one. So we're gonna start us off lightly. <laughs> um, what kind of inspired you guys in the current cultural climate to that sparked something in you to do to do what you do? To be honest, to, to, to be honest, like everything ends up being like a reaction of something you kind of want to see a change in, you know. So. Like from, from the start, um, this, this came from my dissertation at university, like Eliza, if, if you guys get a chance, it'll be, it'll be a lot to get all of you to see it. But there's a monitor upstairs and there's, um, there's, an, ex there's an extract from a documentary called Hyphen Organization, which is actually where Eliza is from, which is a chatbot. And it was developed in the 60s. Now I'm about like going to deep into that. Um, it kind of showed a reflection of how people and individuals are all inherently insecure because we expect judgment. And I guess in, I'm going to speak on my personal experience because mine and Nose's experiences like prior to forming this, um, is diff it comes from different angles and it's a duality, but that's like kind of how we run it, you know. It represents both of us individually in different ways here and there, but that's like important in terms of like how we project it. Um, the best way to put it is, I guess I saw, I was a bit disillusioned by the fashion industry being quite inherently judgmental, which sounds like very layman, but there's a beauty difference and sometimes like it, people do get frowned upon more times than not. 
and that really like influences um, fashion decisions uh, from like a consumer standpoint, which I'm very against. Um, so I guess the start of this and an evolution of that is seeing how we can like encourage that change and encourage people to make independent decisions without, you know, feeling like they have to get this jumper because the next person's buying it. You know, um, I really like feel there's like freedom in making independent decisions. But as you can see with like the clothes that we design, um, it's quite minimal. And the reason for that is because we're not trying to like push people to be like the loudest person in the room. You don't need to be the loudest person in the room in order to express yourself and to be yourself. Like I'm a extrovert, stays in a lot, and I would say you're an introvert that's out all the time. Um, so like you know, I've, we're not going to be jumping on tables, and like we're just not aiming to be loud. We're just aiming to do what we believe is right, and that we're just going to like continue to do that. So I've got there you go. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess you know. Just knocking off that point, similarly to Jack, um, I guess I just kind of saw the way in which I feel as a generation, we kind of need to alter the way like we think and approach things, especially when it comes to fashion and music. And there's like a sustainability like aspect in that, that I guess we're trying to tackle and just slow down the rate in which like people consume things. Um, just because I, I, I personally feel fashion we try and tap into things as quick as possible and follow trends but then we kind of like look to ourselves like why are we like following these trends like why aren't we satisfied with the versions that we are now and what we're you know wearing now and we kind of want to you know create a brand in which people can like take a step back and actually like think and okay like should i buy this like why should i buy this why is it meaningful to me um, and there's a, there's a sustainability in, in that both like mentally and physically. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my like take on, on that. So as, a, as an independent, I work mainly in, and create mainly using photography as a medium. And I think one thing working with you guys that I've noticed is the way that you capture imagery is a real breath of fresh air because there's such an openness and such a clarity and honesty to it. And I think that's something early on that was really hard for me to understand as an image making individual was that you always had these sort of um, tropes that you had to follow when you started in, in within that industry. It was always like quite a heavy commercial outlook on high clarity, high sharpness and all of these things that sort of constrain you at the end of the day. But I think there's so many routes that you can go to that make you feel uncomfortable, especially with image making, where it can actually free you. And I came from quite like a mundane background, nothing special at either end of the spectrum, really. Um, I felt quite beige, quite vanilla when it, when it came to what I did. But image making was the thing that helped me capture that honest truth which is something that I see with you guys how you produce your images and, and your collection but it's something that I think is so important to find within yourself when you're making like are you looking at what you're making and going this is me or is it something that you're adhering to because 99% of the population cares about it but do you want to be that 1% that is honest to you um, and I think that's a massive driving factor in that sort of cultural landscape especially right now mediascape is full force gonna eat your brain if you look at it too long um and i think it's I think it's time to take a little 
look away and look inside oneself to, to find something. Yeah, for sure. I think that's kind of the um, thing that connects original shift and, and, and the analyzer is the, the attention to detail and the attention to kind of like straight away from the rest. Um, taking it back to its roots though, Jack, like, what is analyzer? I know you touched on it about your dissertation and the analyzer, the, the psychotherapy. Um, sure. Uh, can you yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where did the idea of it come from? So what is in, is in the concepts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so based on what I said before, Miser um, was developed by a man named Joseph Weisenbauer, who's a professor at the MIT in America. And he was, uh, he was personally disillusioned by the attempts of AI technology at that time. And like for context, this was a period during the Cold War, so there was a lot of funding towards technologies such as AI to be in competition with the Soviets. Um, I mean, beyond that, that's irrelevant, but that's just like the context. Um, and the first person that tried Eliza was uh, his secretary. And the way that the program was, you would just type into the computer and whatever you said, it would repeat itself. You'd repeat what you said back into the form of a question. So if no was on it, it was like, I'm feeling great today. The computer would say, why are you feeling great? And then you'll be like, because I'm here talking. <laughs> but you, you know, like you, you continue to have this like conversation and exchange and sometimes you just gotta like look at your look at yourself in the mirror to like really find out what it is that you're trying to discover, you know? Um, but I think where what what fascinated me the most about it was how Adam Curtis, the guy that um, made hypernormalization the documentary, I'd highly recommend it. It's on BBC iPlayer. Um, it's three hours, but trust me, that, that changed my life. <laughs> um, he said, in an age of individualism, what makes people feel secure is having themselves reflected back to them just like a mirror. So the fact that the computer exposed self-security gave people hope in some way, in a time where, and like especially the secretary was a woman in the 60s in America, like not being funny, like right, rights then just aren't it. So the fact that that could expose a, a sense of safeness, um, like she even said in the documentary, not trying to tell me what to wear, not trying to like talk down on me. It's the first time I can really feel like I can talk with a sense of freedom. And it's literally just by talking in the mirror, you know? And so I guess what, COVID for everyone, I guess, was, I think we can all share this experience where it was, the, I think London as a culture is very much a doing culture, not a thinking culture. Uh, thinking can sometimes be uh, seen as unproductive, but also the strains in living in London, if you don't come from a stable background, it can be quite survivalist. And so you do have to just constantly do in order to pay rent at the end of the month. And like, I've definitely been in that position too many times. Um, and yeah, lockdown just kind of helps me personally accumulate uh, a lot of thoughts and experiences that I went through, which kind of made me look back at my dissertation and be like, do you know what? This is something that I've been super happy. Oh, love that. <laughs> all good, all good. Um, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, this is the experience I've had. This is what I want to change. I want to look at myself in the mirror and feel secure. Because like, personally, like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Like, I've never felt 100% secure in myself. I've had like, experiences along the line of like, body dysmorphia and stuff. And I'm just saying that, to be honest. I'm not saying that out of like, a soft story shit. Um, but the real, like, you know, like, I want to look at myself in the mirror and like, have, share that experience. Because I think like, even in the room now, like, everyone's 
so different, but that's like the reason why we should all be together, not be divided. And that was really like the inherent goal. But to be honest with you, fashion was never the intention. It's just a mess of all because to be completely honest with you, I was in it at this point for like three, four years when I was like at a cold prior to that. And then I was doing like freelance work and me and those to still do freelance work. That is pretty much 50% of our like our way of doing stuff. Um, and it's like really fascinating to like obtain different perspective. And that's really like what we've just been trying to do is allow Eliza to be a foundation for individuality. So instead of us like giving the answer, we're just trying to discover the question. And the way we're trying to discover the question is by having a dialogue conversation with our audience through consumer relationship, through real life events, through parties, even just like by hanging out going to other people's events. Like it's all like learning. We're all learning. We can all learn from each other and like we're just extremely open for that but we don't know even though you like we're in front of you guys we we know fuck all <laughs> and we're trying to like still learn we've you know we're just at that point and yeah i guess that's the best way to put it i think it's super interesting what you said about the uh, um, secretary of the original Eliza. yeah um being secure with her own conversation going back to her i think that what what have you seen in the current fashion state that made you want to translate that into clothes? And have you seen that change in the last three years? What has it been kind of the same? The, the answer is no, no. I would say no. I'm going to be honest about that. I'd say no, but that's relative to what it is you're willing to like consume. So to be honest with you, like the stuff that I've, I think you can tap in this, but like we, we both felt how we felt obliged to like like certain things. We got taught that there was a right and a wrong. But then like when we kind of like left our posts, we like were able to obtain our own opinion and actually take full ownership of it. You know, so if I believe that something is good, that's good enough. You know, like some people are gonna like fucking spitball it. Some people are gonna like Jaded London, some people are gonna hate Jaded London. I personally hate them, but I'm not gonna judge someone that likes it, you know? But I'm just putting that out there as like a you know, we all have a different opinion. No one's opinion is above the other, you know. I think where, like, I guess, like, we come in is the fact that we don't want people to feel, like, scrutinised for having that opinion. I think that's where we kind of, like, sit within the market. Um, and if you feel like there's a lot of brands out there, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to, like, name brands or anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there is this kind of, like, I, to put it bluntly, this, like, sheet mentality, that you know, I need to have this to like be a part of this like group in order to feel, like feel cool. But in reality, you're not really like tapping into like your true self. You're just trying to be something else. And so we want to help facilitate, you know, your own like ideas, your own beliefs by introducing you know context questions, you know, different experiences like the real life activations and the pop ups and the parties. So yeah, that's kind of like my take. And, and you know, if like just to tap on to elaborate on that as well, like we 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 hope in the future that there will be more brands, even like not even within our space, within luxury fashion, even within fast fashion, to like kind of take a more what we believe is a mentally sustainable approach. And I think that will do the world of good to everyone's mental health. To be completely honest with you, um, and again, like we this really just has come from both of our like experiences like in life not even just through the industry um so we just hope to kind of 
spearhead that in any way possible and you know like, like put a positive change out that goes beyond the product like to reaffirm again uh, product is the vessel like not being funny if we weren't in fashion design this would be a book this would be yeah. a restaurant <laughs> and that's, I guess that's kind of like what the second floor like represents so you don't know like first floor is to you know, who second is to what and then the third floor is to why and like with the second floor of course our music like jacket is very much like heavy like design that's what we kind of like see as a vessel to translate these messages that we are yeah so sorry so when you because i do think like especially with like original shift as well like context the paramount um and i guess that's what virgin said to you um yeah. and eliza i see it and, and we see I, I i guess like is more of a message than than clothes than products like why is it as important to have the messaging being as key as as the designs so so i guess like from a from a background i i come from communication design um so i was always kind of taught to like think about the message of putting across versus what it looks like because they can kind of like come across different you know um how the audience responds to it could be different to what your intentions are so i guess um the forefront of how we think is very much what are we trying to say and then we kind of like use that as a raw framework to like develop the designs that we do. So funny enough, like the first thing we actually, uh, this was before like you, it was an unofficial thing. Like I was the, no, no sir, no sir joined when I released the first like unofficial product and those, like me and those were talking for like two years. <laughs> and you like, I'm ready, let's come over. And we were like packing rugs. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the, I, I designed a book called Notice with my partner Bella and, um, and Notice was a documentation of how shops responded to COVID-19. So you, when you saw, when you went to shops and they were closed, they would say, oh, unfortunately due to circumstances, blah, blah, blah. And so we took photos of them and extracted the text out and we put them into pages. Now the point is, is that with the book, we, we had like a logo at the front and it was two CM wide because the social, media, uh, the social distancing was two meters. There was like little, we, we took all the COVID rules and turned it into a design. And like from a visual standpoint, it's mundane as fuck. Yeah. However, from like a meaning standpoint, if you like tap into the reasons we made those decisions, that's the framework and how it has to look like that. It can't look any other way. And that's kind of like the point, you know, is um, we, we believe in rules. We actually find um, a lot of freedom in rules that we give to ourselves. And like, I, I'm, I feel very, from like a desire conspiracy, I think we both never really had a creative block in this process because we found a lot of sustainability in just being like honest with the parameters, the restrictions that we have and restriction creates culture in my opinion. Yeah, it forces me to think outside the box, with my opinion. For my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure, like, George, um, from a perspective, like, on an original shift perspective, um, our tagline is exploring a basket to contextualize the present. And I think a lot of this conversation has been around context. Um, how did you look to kind of translate what Nosa and Jack are saying right now into kind of like the original shift world? Well, the the first time the rules were applied to me, I felt like I was I was chained to the floor because I was quite scared of working with the rules that you guys have that I completely respected from a design perspective. But the way I created originally, or, or still do, is is chaotic. The correct word. <laughs> yeah. 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 
But I think there's quite a beautiful synergy when you uh, apply chaos and order at the same time. Um, and it's almost that, that system where, where art and design collide. Um, and I think there was a point where, at the beginning of the process, we were really trying to figure out how do we encapsulate the, the sometimes explosive way that we think we've, we've shifted to something that's a way more structurally sound and organized aesthetically. Um, and there's a lot of breathing room where often we didn't allow for breathing room. Um, and if you've had a look at the book, you'll notice there's quite a lot of space in between text and images. But the, I think the beauty that, that came from that is that it allows you to absorb and, and take in a lot where usually you're, 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 like I said before, you're sort of bombarded with uh, visual data, no matter what you're looking at. Um, and essentially the essence of, of the book and the space itself was to allow breathing room to absorb things properly. Um, and that was something I think through the design process as we went forward that I gradually became more and more adjusted to and felt more akin to. Um, and I think like, looking at it sometimes you feel like when you go within a space you you must fill it up but i think there's beauty in the negative space and that's something that as we evolved through the through the process it became i think better and better but do you, like like on, on our side because i think me myself and nosa could be very like okay we, we need to be like like Nosa literally shoves down my throat consistency, 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 and it's like it's true. Like when you're when you when you're we, we still feel like babies respectfully in like the you know where we're at with the brand and when we were like uh, going back to back on like the book design, um, like you know I say this full transparency. What what we first saw was we wasn't expecting it. We felt objectively not in a bad or good way. It was like okay, this is different, um, and it was a very like new space for us and. I think um, the chaoticness was like necessary, and it was really nice. And you know, to to, to anyone that doesn't like properly know original shift, um, my perspective before I like knew you guys personally like years ago was like I, spent, I, I first found out about you guys through lockdown was there would be pages like hidden NY and all that rubbish where it would just be image caption like oh yeah this is so cool this is <laughs> and when you guys would write so extensively about things in popular culture which you know I you know definitely influenced and encouraged the, it gave us confidence to, to like do the same with our work you know um, and it was really inspiring and I'm not saying that for the sake of the conversation we were having like I'm saying this because you guys didn't know I was gonna say this um, and, and yeah like it was it was just really refreshing for, for to see people that cared about what it is watching like I always remember um he did a post on the city of God and I've watched it once but I never really like knew the full extent of it and like just being able to like read that unexpectedly unwarrantedly whilst you're just scrolling was a really um like nice experience and you like continue to like see that and I think like a week prior I saw like a vice video on someone interviewing Supreme Kids and they were like, do you? And there was the, the it was the NAS collaboration. And they were like, do you know who this is? And they were like, no. <laughs> it's just supreme. Right yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's the, like what you were saying earlier. That's what I believe is like unsustainable. Is you know I think you should kind of invest in your identity and like know what it is. And I think you find a newfound 
form appreciation with the object, which means you hold it closer than not, which means you somewhat consume less because it's hard to just like find that in a disposable manner. And that's, you know, it's when, when we say like consume less, it sounds like a very like ironic thing for us <coughs> in the fashion brand, like, but we're not, you know, looking to be, you know, like a multi-billionaire company. Do you know what I'm saying? We're just trying to have a really strong legacy and impact and that's not defined by the units we sell and the following we have. I couldn't give a fuck. I just, I, I don't care. Um, we care about the right thing and we care about empowering people in any way that we believe is right and we're very grateful to like be here. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think uh, you touched upon um, original shift and, and, and kind of like our commentary on um, popular culture. And I think that's how we started um, during lockdown time spot. We're, we're on, the, on the same journey of kind of like translating them stories of, of popular culture icons like City of God or um, whoever it might be, Dennis Rodman or, or some people that's so iconic in pop culture from the past, but now we're trying to bring it to the present. So spotlighting these younger creatives doing bits and, and putting them on the same, they, we can be on the, on, on the grid now and one post could be City of God and then the next post could be Eliza. You know, so we're just trying to put them onto the same level as these past icons, because these new generation of creators coming out, they're doing the same, same iconic things as, as they were doing back in the 90s, but we're just providing that platform and providing that spotlight to people that are doing cool shit, basically. Um, and I think, yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me just dive in quick. <laughs> um, I, I think there's that, that thing that we most of most of us kind of share is that deeper inner inner monologue that you have with yourselves and I, i'm just thinking about it like sitting here now wiring them through our heads at the moment but that that idea of reflection and, and speaking to yourself honestly is something that i think we're all trying to portray and profess and and, and get to the the deeper crux to and uh i think with shift and with this collaboration we we want there to be that depth to it and while you guys may have the ability to look at an image within the book and take a glance at it and take it as a reference i think it's then also important to go deeper into what that image means to you even though that may sound sort of like an overload for one image or it may sound silly to dive in and try and pull something from it but i think the deeper you go, the more you kind of find out about yourself. And, and again, it could be something as as random as a city of God post, but I think there's always something beautiful you can find in randomness like that. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, you touched on, a bit, on, on it briefly, um, Nozark, is about your um, studio business you do, the events you do, kind of like the experiential kind of um, days that happen. Um, we spoke a lot about messaging, and messaging at times can be difficult to portray in garments. So like, why is it important for you to bring your, I know you hate this word, community out to you? I don't, I don't hate the word. I would have come back No, I don't, I don't hate the word. I hate people that abuse the word and don't understand what community means. And like, you don't have to be a part of this community. By, you don't have to buy the product to be a part of it. It's completely irrelevant. If you want to buy it, I'm grateful, you know, that helps us pay rent. <laughs> but like, you don't, like, it's not exclusive to purchase. And I find like, oh yeah, man, like, whatever. It's, like, it, it's just about the clothes, but like, why, what is, what is the clothes, like, what's the substance to it? Yeah. You know? um, like just to go on what you, 
said earlier about um, depth. You know, I, there was a really like pa good passage I saw in a book through lockdown, which I really believe quite heavily is life without depth is meaningless and shallow. And I'm not trying to live my life shallow and meaningless. I want to have a meaningful one. And so I'm unapologetically embracing the idea of like going in very deep and like take replace the word life with ideas. Ideas about depth and meaningless. And so for us, this isn't about self-expression. This is about putting something out we believe is responsible that we can have a conversation with, with friends, family, and beyond that, you know. Um, but it's a point of bringing bring those people in to, to kind of like not explain the product, but yeah. explain the meaning behind you, me, you guys see the product before they release that. Yeah. Why is that important to, to you? And, and, and I think it, yeah, it's definitely important to just be completely transparent. Like, we know that our clothes aren't like cheap. Um, and at the beginning, let's just barely speaking, it was like somewhat like difficult to translate, you know, the the product quality of the clothes. So we thought, you know, we need to do more in real life activations and events so that people can like feel this and understand why we sell it at such a like price point. But also as well, like contextually like speaking, you know, the, the brand is at first was about profitability. And so like season one, like we felt that the groundwork had to be very well done. So in that, the product quality has to be amazing, which means that people need to feel it. And if people don't feel it, then people aren't going to like buy into it. So that's kind of like where we kind of, yeah, sit within that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think even like for us, our studio is like a home. So opening your doors to your studio and having yeah. people come is, is, is an intimate thing. I think to be honest, like there's always been this like break between you know, consumer and producer. And I think we kind of want to like bridge that gap between the two, you know, because to put it bluntly again, I'm not going to name brands, but you buy the <laughs> you buy the clothes and it's like, cool, this is great. But where is it coming from? Like who, like who made it? You know, what was the intention behind it? Whereas like we, like at the end of the Saturday, at the end of every month, we hold the studio opening, which people can come and book appointments and, you know, feel the clothes or talk to us or just like ideate with us. Sometimes we even like give them advice on their like projects, you know, and it's a full like transparent and very, I feel kind of like honored to be honest, to be able to speak to these people that have one, how to put money in our pocket, but number two as well, like just kind of like taking like something from this and they've told us that this has actually helped me. Like this is, you know, changed the way that I thought Oh, like, you know what, like, I gave this book to a friend and they've gone through a hard time. Thank you very much. Like, this is amazing. So, yeah. It's the, it's the last point. Um, like, a big, a big reason for, like, the open days as well from a conceptual standpoint is, well, realistically, with, um, like, especially since COVID, with a lot of uh, places shutting down, it was very hard to be able to do a pop-up every single time, you know. Um, like, we did one in 2021 and it was brilliant. Um, at, was it 20, no, 2022 in a reference point and we were like super grateful to do it um, but you could, we couldn't like do it there every time you kind of have to like diversify your spaces and experiences um, and honestly it's just impossible and it's super expensive to be able to give that experience we want to give um, but when we when we did the open day we kind of 
had nothing to hide. You know, like we wanted to just show people like this is the space that we work in, like these are the sketches, this is the critical path. And I think overall, like with Eliza as a whole, whether it like comes to the campaigns or whether it like, comes to the clothing designs itself, um, we, I wouldn't, we're storytellers, but in the non-fictional space, we're not like trying to like encourage people to like, escape reality. We're trying to get people to confront. And like when people come to our studio, we're just like trying to show the art of truth. And like, this is a, a basically a grandest version of that. Like nothing in here from like outside of, of the park is conceptual. It's just very straightforward and like very honest, but there's a lot of it. And we can talk about it all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I think you do it um, tastefully in the sense of that you're front facing as a brand. Like you're, you're the face of the brand, but it's not done on an influencer type band. No. It's more no. done of like, oh, I'm trying to help you type band. Like yeah. He said about transparency, like, come through, like, we'll help you with, with whatever you need, and but I, we're the young band. I think that turns back to the, to the honesty point again. Like, it's, it's quite, it's quite, like I said, refreshing, but it's quite like a smack in the face when you get someone being honest with you in this day and age, especially, and within an industry which is filled with a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, that's known to everyone, but... I think being able to being able to absorb something that you know is coming from someone who is telling the truth to you, I think is yeah, super super refreshing. Yeah, and it's like you gotta again like look like when you're purchasing something like what are you actually like getting out of it, you know, and I feel like as a brand, like when you are, you know, whether you are purchasing something, whether you're not purchasing something, you're always gonna take away like something. You know, whether it be a new idea, whether it be learning new concepts or ideology, or just even learning each other's like experiences like within a space as well. That's super duper important. Um so yeah, just backing up on that. Yeah, for sure. Um people know you yourself mostly for your DJing and yeah. your extensive musical knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> How would you say from your experience, music and fashion remain obviously like Eliza a lot of your campaigns are upcoming musical artists, um, like tapping into that field. Like how, how, how do those form a connection? Um, I feel like if we're talking directly speaking, there's always been a correlation between music and fashion. Um, where it comes to like fashion shows, musical awards, performances. Um, but I guess like with us, like when it comes to like the campaigns, like we definitely take the music side of things like seriously. Um, so transparently, like speaking, most of our music gets done by um, Jack's best friend, uh, Hector. And again, with different campaigns, we then also do different producers. But, um, and we take into consideration the landscape in which the campaigns are being shot at. And so we try and encapsulate that like feeling like sonically, um, whether that be you know, weird drops or certain instruments and certain frequencies that just like tap into the brain a bit. Um, so yeah, and we're very, again, we're very like heavily inspired by like film, like filming like movie scores, people like Hans Zimmer's, cause that's the type of music that just like slows you down. And I feel like this is a brand in which like you really need to just like slow down and like take in like what's like in front of you. Um, so that's the like music side of things. Yeah, I just just lastly to like jump on that from um, I guess like the practical side of when we like do shoot, um, we very much like balance it out. Like sometimes most people do it, sometimes I do it. We both have like experience, I guess, in our backgrounds to be able to like facilitate it. And like sometimes 
people can't distinguish who shot it, which is like a really great, I'm like very grateful to that we've like built a language um, that is not defined by us, but it's defined by the work itself. Um, but yeah, like to go to, go to like the Hans Zimmer thing, um, we try like we we try and treat our videos like photo, like moving photographs, and I mean it as in it's like very it's always like quite straightforward. It'll be like maximum four or five shots because everything's like fast, 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 fast. Our like form of anarchy is slowing things down just to like let things breathe, and I think by letting things breathe and like knowing when enough is enough, those like little details can be appreciated. Whether that's like even just like the slight movement of grass on the floor if we're like shot in the forest to like the trees moving. Yeah. Like I think those things are like really important, like that sense of space is integral to the brand identity, but you know, they're, they're reflections of our experience. Like when I'm stressed, I go out on the walk, you know, like how can you then turn that into like a viable campaign instead of it having like 30 edits going on? That, that's, yeah. that's something I was, that's something I, was, I guess, curious about throughout this process is where's the where's the first instinctual and I know you guys like kind of bracket yourself by the the rules so that 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 process is smooth but where is the what's the kicker for a new idea when you have that sometimes sort of structural rigidity I guess like again like for us like you said like previously it's just like looking at like the world around us and what is around us and like how we can like address that and using that we then i'm going to explain this keep going yeah so i guess if, yeah like we yeah like this is a this is a pleasure and purpose for you part of like the season two collection um, so, so, so me, my notice process is quite simple. We come into work and we just chat about our day and we talk about things that go on. And for example, uh, I, I hang out most of my time with my university friends and a lot of them are like very hedonistic, like personally me, I take no drugs. It's just not my vibe. No judgment to anyone, that's just not me. I like to chill at home and so on and so forth. But a lot of my mates do. And one time it was a friend's birthday and we went out to Hackney. I'm not you know, we're here now, but I'm a South Londoner at heart, so this hurts enough as it is. Um, but for example, uh, you know, like one of my Hector, he, like he had a mad one, he fell in the marshes, another friend K-holed and threw up on my shoe. So, so two, two friends were having a bit of like a domestic, I'm just saying this as the honest truth of like how this came about. And like me and my friend Guy were sitting there in the evening feeling so overwhelmed by just like all this rubbish that was happening. And so, then me, like, I tell Nosa about it on Monday, and like, we're just sitting down talking about it, and then I end up writing, and then I was trying to like, see how to like, visualize that experience, and I guess the experience on this was, you know, what's better, people that live for pleasure or people that live for purpose, and so, not to be weird, can you hold this up so it's like, so this graph here represents purpose, and these come from a scientific diagram, don't know, I just gone with the figures that I've got the cycle. Um, so it's the idea that, on the outside, you can be perceived to be a slave to your passion. You have no life, you know, like, why don't you go out and have fun? Or if on the inside, you could feel more fulfilled than anyone. You could feel a really sense of purpose with, like, your practice, and that's why you slave all your time on it. Where on the other side, you know, you know, there's people on the ground that, you know, they're like they're on holiday every week, this, that, the other. But on the inside, they, they're probably just lost. They probably just don't know what their sense of purpose is, so they're trying to explore it. And so 
the idea of having one zip hoodie was, well, what's better, overall purpose? Well, the best place is moderation and both, and that's why we put it on the hoodie. And it's as simple as that, the best place to be in the middle. And that's why it's on the zip hoodie. It was the first zip hoodie we did because of the concept. So I hope that it's, it's, it's a stupid story and there's nothing hyper-intellectual about it. That's just what happened. And we continually have stories. And we're just, that's why we like continually sustainably create new designs is because we just take in what we go through. Like, how could we turn that into something that we could like give and share, but in like a non-liberal way? And this is the outcome. I think, I think it's funny as well, because that's got to be the most nostalgic piece of clothing to ever have existed. The zip hoodie with the, with the little tugs on it. Crazy. <laughs> um, George, like, what's the, the chaos dynamo run? Um, how did you kind of talk us through the background of the design issues of, of both the scene and champagne areas and people's days? Well, I think the, the start, again, was very sort of... It was, it was painful to me because I knew that I had a challenge ahead of me to stray away from my usual instincts. And I think once those shackles were kind of broken, it was, it was smooth sailing. Um, we sort of picked the attributes of the brand which we felt worked like visual systems um, and worked with a brilliant graphic designer called Ryan Sargent. And he's just come off his um, MA uh, at the RCA. And I think his work really spoke to me in particular because he had such a, a, I mentioned it earlier, but a balance between design and art. He, he felt very strongly about the depth of the design and how, how it came about. And he pulled apart the Vitruvian man symbol from the guys here and used it as a design system within the book. Um, and we kind of, realized that that worked as had such great structural integrity for the book imagery and the copy to be run along the same lines as the Vitruvian Man logo. Um, and you'll notice it as you, as you kind of look at it again and again, there's a double page spread that, uh, of, of that symbol with imagery implanted within it, um, with that imagery being the essence of that, that emblem. Um, and there's other sort of parts to it, that, that, that breathability, that, that fresh air as you're engaging with it that I think a lot of the time when you're reading something and viewing imagery you don't really get. So again, straying away from the chaos which I usually create, um, I think it was actually being in touch with breathing whilst making again. Um, yeah? Yeah, sure. I think, I think it definitely like came into to fruition Free floors, free years, allies are the hoop of why there's, there's simple questions that we kind of wanted to get through in the scene and get through in, in this space. But, um, my next question is, is, is more, more on the third of the why. Um, that's the entire thing, but um, your latest collection, you use two, two phrases that could mean anything but mean a lot to you, and that's the thought of the originality and the beauty of the one day. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen what the, the, the monoblock chair um, is something so ubiquitous, ubiquitous in like society as a whole, whatever, wherever you are in the world, whatever social class you are. Like, what does why mean to Eliza and how do you kind of yeah. get that through to the brand? Well, I, I guess in uh, this wouldn't be, we're wrapping this up, so I don't, don't, don't get too tired, this is the good part. So, 
I find that we're, what we're trying to like force through is the importance of why, and I, I, I will explain in chat, but it, honestly, go out there and see it, and I'll, this is more the overarching point. If in, in like the context of fashion, you have the, I, I look at who, what, why is generation. So who and what, who and what were people like Nego, Sean Stussy, Jeff Staple? No, it's like, what, what do you mean you sell t-shirts? What do you mean they sell the other? They kind of identified what it means to be, I guess, like a designer within like the streetwear space. And then the hows were people such as Virgil, Heron Preston, Matthew Williams, uh, Samuel Ross. You know, before Virgil passed, he left free game. And it shows you how that's, that's, that's that generation. But what's the next step? And to us, the, the next step is why? And it's asking to yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? And that's not an exclusive thing to fashion. It's actually a thing overarching any, not even creativity, even in academia, like why are you doing it? And it's the toughest, I think it's the toughest one of the previous because why is such a personal question to discover that you cannot do research it? It's just something that we have to go on our self endeavors for. And I guess as we see Eliza as a case study with the monoblock chair being an example of the experience I had in like, Morocco, where like, my granddad owned this patio set when I was younger, like, we lived in the council estate in Brixton, and then two years ago I went to Morocco and like this last village before the Sahara era, uh, before the Sahara Desert, there was just three guys sitting out this like quite run down, like you know, really run down house, admittedly, but they were all laughing, like just having beers on these three chairs that my granddad owned. And it's like we've opened from two completely different realities, but there is this object that like brings us closer. There's a commonality there. And I think the most the most overvalued things in the world are the unobtainable things we can't get. And I think we should reverse that sense of value and look at the things that we do have in connection with others to bring people closer. And you know, that might be a tangent to the why thing, but I do think why is the next step to be able to have an overarching influence and a positive one, not just on culture, but as society as a whole in every sector in academia, in, in creativity. I think the list is completely endless and that's really um, why it's called why. <laughs> I was about to say, like, the, the, the why question is, is, is important to, to original shift and our start as well. At start as well um, delve into the, why is, why is this person an icon? Or why is this referenced several times in popular culture? Why has this been sampled? And I think that's, quarter original shift's identity as, as a whole and, and giving trying try to pose the question to people and trying to give give that context of this, this is why it's happening and, and this is when it happened and where it happened and why it's probably this day. Um Julie. And I, I think the thing that we, we look at as well is it, it, they're all stories of other individuals or many people or of things sometimes. But um, they all have an inherent sense of purpose, and like something as simple as the chair meaning so much to yourself as an individual, but having that effect for, uh, it, it after shocking to so many other people, I think is is really fascinating. And I think that 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 passage that you can make as a person having such an riffing off of what you said earlier, Nosa, about like can you make a change? Well, to find that change, you have to ask yourself why first. 
Um, and I think one of the things we, we do with, with Shift is not trying to story tell. We don't want to tell people things. We don't really want to educate. We implore people to go and find it for themselves. And I think that really starts with the question why. Why are you going to go search for this specific route? Why are you going to go and make something? If you care about it, you're going to find that inside of you. And on that note, round of applause for the guys. I just, I just want to say as well, thank you for this. This is a fucking sick turnout. Like, this is our usually, uh, this is our shift creative space, and like to see this many fucking people in here is crazy. So thank you guys. Round of applause for yourself as well. We got first floor um, and just take it all in like there's, there's a lot of context behind this so yeah thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy it and yeah pull us up if you want to ask questions or anything like that we're going to go down